That's it, isn't it? It's over. You motherfucker. You spineless, pussy-whipped motherfucker. That's all it takes, see? A bitch says one thing and it's all over. You know what, William? Your policy, it's bullshit. Fucking bullshit. Will you listen to me, you son of a bitch? I did it for you. Look at me! When you're killing me, you look at me! You're listening to the Buzzed Kill Podcast. Episode 60, welcome to the Buzzkill Podcast, the only show that full-heartedly believes that the Saw series missed an opportunity by not casting Admiral Akbar as Jigsaw. <laughs> it's a trap! It's a trap! It's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, guys? I'm Mike. I'm Jim. And I'm Justin. And yeah. it's Wednesday. It is a Wednesday. Yep. And it's... No special guests no. this week, so it means our <laughs> we're back to our same You're shitty stuck with us. It <laughs> sounded so appealing tonight. <laughs> that intro, uh, <laughs> you pointed out that the guy sounds like Will Ferrell he when he first starts, motherfucker, and then it's it, and then he totally goes into Heath Ledger's Joker toward the end. Is it uh, yes. the look at me part? Oh yeah. Is it? Look at me. Look at me. I think isn't so. There, isn't I there, think so. Yeah. Isn't there a part where? Or what am I thinking of? Is there a part where the Joker yells, look at me like that? I think there is. I can't remember. Maybe, that's a, maybe that'll be a correction. I'm pretty sure there is, though. I'm stupid. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. How's it going? Good. 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 What have you guys been up to this week? Uh, not uh, not a whole lot. I'm watching an absolute shit ton of movies. Yeah? Trying to trying to catch up on I your did, 15, too. I did, and I did catch up. What I do now, you have? I now have as many movies as days left. Oh, good. So as long as I keep my one a day. Watched uh, Hocus Pocus. Oh yes. I don't even care if it's a kids horror movie. I'm counting it. Dude, I love that movie. Totally. If you <laughs> if you're a fan of horror movies, it's probably pretty safe to say that you like that movie, right? I, I mean, mean, it's not a horror movie, obviously, but it's just it's like it's a spooky movie about witches at Halloween time. I, if that doesn't really fall into that category, I'm not sure what does. Well, I don't know. Like if you, if if you want to start introducing your children to the to the genre without. Mm-hmm. Totally freaking them out. I think that's a good route to take. And on top of that, you know, I say I say it's fifty horror movies, but let's be honest, it's 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 kind of like this show. It's genre movies, movies that fit with the the Halloween aura, so, if you will. So you which know? so which Bette Midler movie are you gonna watch next? Um, Beaches doesn't Bette, doesn't get much scarier than Bette that. Bette Midler does Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet. <laughs> she really went for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Anyway. So anyway, this week, uh, what else did you boys do? Well, I uh, I went to a wedding, <laughs> and I saw someone that looked just like James. They were just like Mike. Yeah. And it and was James and Mike. Yeah. <laughs> and we danced our little booties off. Yeah, we, we did. did. We did. It was a good time. Mike, what happened to you that night? Ah, oh, nothing. <laughs> I um, had a good night's sleep. Mike had a few oat sodas. And... Possibly on the bathroom floor. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of that story is that you call me the next day and you're like, so I remembered puking 
all the bile out of my body to the left of the toilet. <laughs> yeah, I listen. This listen. looks like a good spot. <laughs> listen, you, I don't know. How'd you uh, miss the toilet? Um, and who cleaned it up? Did Jen? No, have to I did. No, 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 no. I had the wherewithal at <laughs> four in the morning. Yeah, I don't know what happened to me. That was a that was a night. That, that was, was a good night. That was a hell of a night. Yeah. I um. It just why cra- why I was doing it on the floor. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure I started <laughs> doing it before I came to, and it just ended there. Yeah. Oh, don't that, you hate that? I think a lot of people listening can can appreciate that kind of night at least once or twice i've got a few i've got a few of those stories yeah um, i was gonna try to have one of those nights i was like i don't have to be up early in the morning i got a designated driver i'm gonna i'm gonna drink man just like (laughs) the old days and so i crack open a brewski and or no i had a what i have a a jack and coke a couple of those and then i was was like i i'm ready to go (laughs) time to go home (laughs) (laughs) no it was a really fun wedding (laughs) This is what uh, this is what getting older does to you. I didn't want I didn't want to leave a uh, a car there. So, well I, well, I had an exciting day yesterday. Oh, what'd you do? Uh, I I did my civil duty. Oh, I was I had jury duty. Oh, Ooh, dude, shh, don't talk about it. <laughs> You're not supposed to talk about it. I I managed did to. Did you did you acquit? So so they they essentially like. Have you ever had jury duty? No. That you sit in this room. I was there for eight hours. And they they basically do like uh, like a lottery, like they pick numbers and then f- for each. That would be literally the only time I would ever be lucky <laughs> at a lottery in my entire life. I actually did get I got lucky yesterday in that in two ways. Not only did I not get chosen because they did they did a round of sixty where they picked sixty jurors all Jeez. at once, and then they did two rounds of thirty five and a round of twenty. I never got picked. But my number was the first to get called to go to lunch, so that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Winner! So I watched movies and hung out, played some games on my phone. It was cool. Yeah, yeah. And, I got, and I got paid 30 bucks. So. Hell yeah. Oh, Last rip. time I had jury duty, I go up there and I'm like, man, this is going to suck. I'm going to brought my laptop, do some work all day. And then some guy that I like that was like went to the karaoke bar we always went to that I was friends with was there in the room with me so we just hung out. That's awesome. And partied at jury duty. There were a lot of people doing that. Like it seemed like a lot of people knew each other and they were they were hanging out right. and talking or maybe they were just making new friends. I don't know. For for me, it got down to our last uh, call. They, like we were there. Okay, we're going home. This is awesome. All right, everybody else, come on in. And we're like, shit. <laughs> and we go back in the jury room and they were going through every person and there were six of us sitting left there and they're like, nope, we don't want this person. Don't want this person. I'm like. Son of a bitch! I'm gonna be on a jury. <laughs> that's and, when you. That's when you just say something completely ridiculous out loud, just to get yourself out. <laughs> and then, uh, and the then guy, they, they, and then hurry they, up! I can't <laughs> wait to go home and masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna do it right here if you're all cool with it. <laughs> and then they did pick someone, so I was able to go home. Um, there was a girl vaping in the jury pool, in like the, in the like, courthouse, like trying to do it discreetly. She would like every once in a while, like. Uh, vapes are gigantic. Yeah, they're like this—the size of this like freaking like pint, pint of Jack Daniels. Of Jack Daniels. You're puffing on a shoebox. Yeah, <laughs> and she's trying to do this discreetly. Like, I, and everybody sees her, but she's kind of like. <laughs> and I'm like, just go outside if you're gonna do. It. I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to be doing that in the courthouse. No, no, no. Plus, vaping is like, isn't that more for? It's. Uh, is there nicotine in vape juice? Yeah, uh, uh, I think you, you can get it either or. I believe. Yeah. Is there okay? Because I I always thought people just do it for fun, sort of. I don't know. I it seems yeah. like couldn't you like they gave us fifteen minute breaks all the time. It's like can't you just wait until you're allowed to go outside? And I don't maybe know. Maybe she was nervous. Maybe she had something to hide. 
Maybe. She my, did um, have a lot of metal in her face. Yeah. You know, my, one of those hooligans. I found one good thing about vaping. My uh, my drummer vapes. And so he'll, like, we'll take a break between songs or whatever, and he'll just take, like, two or three massive hits in the basement, and so the whole room will just fill up like a fog machine. Yeah. So right when we start the next song. <laughs> doesn't, that, doesn't that stuff, uh, like, doesn't the residue, like, affect any of the, I don't know. It, it does, actually. Um, there was a, a band I was recording once. They all vaped, and he said that the inside of his car his windows got tinted because of all the uh well uh, it's also a very small vape, space though you know like right but that but that's just showing that like people are like oh well, i can smoke this inside it doesn't harm anything well you're still if you, like i wouldn't allow it down in here because that's still gonna affect my yeah. microphone capsules and stuff like that you know yeah right. yeah and vapes give off a ton a ton of smoke oh yeah so that's why they have the competitions yeah, oh. vaping competition. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry to anybody who vapes and like does all the mods and they stuff like that. They taste really good. I'm not trying to put you down. <laughs> they they do taste good. Sorry, not sorry. <clears throat> sorry, not sorry. Anyway, <laughs> all uh, right. So today is our our second installment of our saw mm-hmm. uh, retrospective. Uh, retrospective. That, that's that's the, word. the word I was looking for. I knew that it would come at some mm-hmm. point. Uh, but, but before we start talking about all the things people did wrong in their lives, let's yes. talk about things we did wrong last week. Yeah, let's do that. Stupid! You're so stupid! <laughs> um, all right, so uh, I have one correction from last week. I think you have a couple extra as well. Uh-huh. Um, first thing, though, Wilford Brimley did commercials for Quaker Oats. Oatmeal. Not. That was one of mine. Wheat. Well, yep. first I said oatmeal. And then I said oatmeal again, then I was like, no, I think it was cream of wheat. Well, it was oatmeal. It was oatmeal. Quaker oats. Quaker. Quaker. Wheat. All right. So I've got a few here. First of all, we kept talking about the Carolina Reaper last week. Uh-huh. Carolina Reaper is a cultivar, which means it is, it's, a, it's a pepper that was bred through select, selective breeding. Gotcha. Um, in 2013, it surpassed the Trini- Trinidad Scorpion as the world's hottest pepper. We also talked about that. Uh, the hottest individual Carolina Reaper was 2.2 million Scoville heat units. In May of 2017 was when the Dragon's Breath one came out. That one was submitted to Guinness, claiming to be 2.4 million on the Scoville heat scale, but that is yet to be confirmed. Okay. So as it stands right now, the Carolina Reaper is still the Guinness book. Is that the one? Guinness book hold, is uh, that, record holder. Is that Dragon's Breath one? Is that the one they made that's basically inedible for they, humans? Yeah, they it's say basically if you made eat just it, for like pepper spray and stuff like that. Right. They say if you eat it, you might die. Like, <laughs> legitimately, might die. What do they? What do they test the Scoville scale with? Um, do you know how they do? It? <clears throat> I'm not really sure. We could look they, it up and find out. They have like a, one guy named Scoville, and they're like, here, eat this. <laughs> ah, yeah, this one's extremely hot. Yeah, it's really fucking hot. <laughs> I'll put that at about a 2.2. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the hottest, so we we kept calling uh, the Carolina Reaper the hottest natural grown pepper. The hottest natural grown pepper is still the ghost. I thought really? so. Yes. Oh. Which, that's a... Uh, I gotta kind of pat us on the back because we just ate pieces of a ghost chili a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we have successfully conquered the hottest pepper in the world. Yeah, we congratulations. Didn't, yeah, boys. but we didn't eat it the way non pussies eat it. <laughs> that is true. I'll do it one of these days. No, you won't. Um, also, this is a big one. We were talking about the thing, John Carpenter's mm-hmm. thing, last week, and uh, not John Carpenter's thing, and. Uh, <laughs> We, we kept calling the 2011 The Thing a remake. It is not a remake. It's a prequel. Oh. Yeah. Which, 
Everything I that did I not know that every every article that I find online about it, people are calling it a remake, and they're like, "Oh, this remake sucks." And I'm kind of wondering, like, have how many people have watched this then? Because I watched it today. Oh, you did? Because once I found out that it was a prequel, I was like, "Well, I kind of have to watch it now." So I watched it. It is a prequel. It's the story of the Norwegian research facility oh. that McCready and uh, I can't remember who else it is, but McCready flies to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, it was the admiral, right? Um, maybe, yeah. yeah. I can't remember who it was, but that's it's the story of that research facility. And there are some pretty cool callbacks to John Carpenter's movie in that uh, when McCready goes through with the other guy that he was with, they find, like, an axe in the door. They find the guy with his neck and his wrist slit. They find um, the burned body that where it's, like, two faces yeah. combined into one. Um, hmm. Everything... Everything from the 1982 movie is explained in this movie. Oh, that's actually that, kind of cool. The axe in the door does is it there. End, does it end with a dog running off? It ends right where uh, 1982 begins with the dog running. Okay, now I want to watch it. With the dog running and the helicopter. Was it good? <clears throat> Here's the thing. I haven't watched this particular featurette yet, but there's apparently a featurette that's it's it's um it's all of the practical effects that they didn't use interesting because like you said last week they had a team that made all these amazing practical mm-hmm. effects and then they ended up replete replacing almost all of them with uh, CG yeah and they did and apparently this featurette like people are saying if they would have just left all these practical effects in this movie it would have been so much better I feel because as though one day you might get that because it, it was what's I can't think of the guy's name the effects guy he did uh, Pumpkinhead. Um, he's done. He's 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 renowned, and I can't think of the guy's name to save my life right now. For the for twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't. I can't remember. Um, but here's the thing. I the movie was not. It wasn't an amazing movie, but knowing knowing now what I know, the fact that it was a, a prequel and that it was actually giving you a little bit of insight into what happened before John Carpenter's movie. Yeah. It was interesting to see. Hmm. Uh. And, and and up until you, like, if you disregard the, the crappy CG, because it was pretty, it was just really flat. Not, yeah. You know, it's just really flat and kind of and kind of poorly done. Um, I mean, better than I could do, obviously. But if you disregard the CG, the story is pretty damn good. I think, anyway. I could, I could take some heat for that. The story's good. Um, the ending gets a little crazy because they actually go into the spaceship. Really, which gotcha. is which is dumb. Like they kind of, yep, kind of okay. lost me at that part. But for the most part, like everything else about the movie is is pretty cool. Hmm. Plus, Mary so, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in it, and I like her for several reasons. Um, one I, of them I being can... one of them being is how her face looks. Yep, yep, that's a good one. <laughs> She's also a good actress. Tom Tom Woodruff Jr. That's oh, name. oh yeah, that's the guy, his name. yeah, like, good guy's done everything. Uh, yeah, he's he's yeah he's huge. So I can he's, see like if you thought this was <laughs> a remake. You, why you would think it sucks if you wouldn't thinking it's a, a prequel and you would know how it all leads up to it right well for all the things for all the things that John said last week about uh, you know like he was looking at the IMDB and he's like there's female characters and there's they've changed the names and, the, and a lot of people are saying that the story is the same but different uh-huh. whatever that means um, it's yeah like you just said knowing that it's a prequel and knowing that it's Insight you, to what happened before you John Carpenter's thing. I, I can definitely. I, I found an appreciation for it. That's it would fair. be like a, it's if, not a great movie, but I did appreciate what it was. If I were going to see One Direction live 
and Nickelback was playing, and I thought that was One Direction because I never saw them. I'd be like, "This sucks." One Direction sucks. Man. This band sucks. But then, if, but then, wait, but then if you found out it was Nickelback, you would be like, "Nickelback sucks." Yeah, that's that was a bad comparison yeah. because Nickelback sucks no matter what. Uh, sorry, Nickelback fans. No, I'm not. Sorry, not sorry. I wouldn't pay one nickel to go see that show. Also, I just... <laughs> shut up. Also, <laughs> I wanted to bring up a couple things. We were listening to this on our on our drive home uh, today from picking up our son, and I, Aaron came at you a couple of times on some things that you said, and I thought they were funny, so I need to bring those up. You said that Wilhelm scream sounds very sexual. I don't know why. <laughs> and she just likes she likes to talk to the radio when we're. She didn't even say this to me. She's just talking to the radio, and she goes, "Sounds like maybe you don't know how to have sex, Mike." <laughs> and then you said about um, uh, Wilford Brimley. You said something about Type A, and it was in regards to a TV show and diabetes. Okay. And she goes. That's not a type of diabetes. It's type 1 and type 2, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, she's just saying this to the radio, so I, I had to write those down real quick because I thought they were hilarious. Because she's just coming at you. Coming at you hard. All right. Uh, you married a very lovely person. Yes, I did. Thank Bitch! you. Oh, God. <laughs> all right, that's it. That's all we got for that. Um, so, like I said, did I say this already? I don't know if I did. This week we're continuing our. Oh, yeah. This week we are continuing with our second installment of the Saw movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, trilogy dose. The tri- trilogy dose, I guess, if you will, four through six. Um, and in honor of that, Michael went up and went out and picked up. Now uh, you kind of phoned it in this week. I did. Man. Well, I figured we were going to use it for one of the weeks. I have a better one for next week. I'm not. So. I, that, that, that was sarcasm. Like, I don't know. It's called Buzzsaw. I don't know. I, you That's pretty awesome. You didn't, you didn't really phone it in. That's actually pretty perfect, Michael. I was trying to make a joke. It didn't work. This is well. Buzz- now you got me all self-conscious because apparently everything I say is wrong. I don't know how to have sex, so <laughs> I don't. I don't even know what's going on anymore. She said it sounds like maybe you don't know how to have sex. Maybe you can prove her wrong one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Buzzsaw American IPA from Arbor Brewing Company in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Go figure. Um, a big, bold, hop-forward West Coast-style IPA crafted for a subdued malt, crafted for a subdued malt character that showcases a blend of Simcoe, Amarillo, and Centennial hops. The result is a hoptasmic tidal wave of flavor and aroma with notes of resiny pine, grapefruit, lemon zest, and apricot. A refreshing, highly drinkable brew for its 7.5 ABV. Jesus Christ. A classic interpretation (laughs) of a classic American craft style, the Buzzsaw was awarded both Best IPA and Best of Show at the World Expo of Beer. It is finished with a ridiculous amount of dry hops for an absolutely irresistible nose and has quickly become one of our most popular brands. Enjoy. Buzzsaw! Buzzsaw! Real beer for beer lovers! (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) Yeah! Um, go. Let the the, uh, the guy on the uh, the art of this beer looks like a character. Did you ever play that game, our old arcade game called Time Killers? Oh yes. Where you could cut off your opponent's limbs. Hell yeah. Dude, he looks like he should be in that game. Yeah, for They're sure. They're remaking that game, by the way. He looks like a I'm pretty they, pumped for it. They're um, Time Killers. Yeah, it's not called Time Killers, but it's it's like a spiritual successor to it. Who did you play as? Mm. No, I haven't played it yet. It was no, just I'm announced. just saying in the, in the old arcade game, who did you play uh, as? I remember there being a guy with a chainsaw. Um, um, and there was like a mantis-looking creature. The mantis thing. was yeah. the one that I always. But there was played a guy as. with the chainsaw too. There was. Could... He wasn't he the guy that he was like a punk rock dude with yeah, like the yeah. green mohawk and shit, right? Yeah. He was the closest thing to Ash from Evil Dead. 
Guys. <laughs> yes. I'm thirsty. Oh, yeah. sorry, Jay. All right, cheers. Cheers, boys. <laughs> Wow, that's really interesting. It's good. Yeah, it is um, really good. It doesn't have the. Uh, it's weird because it you can taste the hops, but it doesn't have that typical bite of an IPA. No, no. it's got the body of like a like a pilsner or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's weird. The pilsner or just a regular ale. You do taste like a lot of the uh, like the grapefruit mm-hmm. and the the floral notes. Mm. I have a, this is going to be one of those weird beers that gets better, I think, as it warms up. I think a lot of those floral notes are going to... That doesn't, really, notes are that going doesn't to, really constitute a weird beer, because that's a no, lot of beers. Well, fair enough, but like this one, like, the flavors, I think, are going to explode as, as opposed to just change. An explosion of flavor. In my mouth. <laughs> I'm going to mix my Carolina Reaper peach IPA with it. Don't. Please yeah, don't. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to. I mean, if anything, put that one in. That yeah, I'm actually going to try that. All right, we need to stop going off on tangents today. No, we don't. <laughs> All right. You, you act like we have three movies to get through in our tofu. Ah, as if. All right. As <clears throat> if. Well, that's the beer we're drinking today, so why don't we get into the bleed feed? Tell us some news, Michael. All right. Well, since we were just on a little video game discussion, I might as well start with this. Okay. It's not news to anybody but me, but I'm excited about it. There's a little game for Sega. I don't know if it was on Nintendo or not, but a little game for Sega back in the day that I used to love more than anything else. And I'm not a big sports guy, but Mutant League Football. Did you ever play this? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. yeah. So uh, they're coming out with a new Mutant League football game. Nice. For For PS4 and uh, X1. Probably PC. I don't know. Uh, for a 2018 release, it's, I don't know, it's Monsters. It, that fits, sort of. Monsters playing football. <laughs> That's What's all I to love? Yep. <clears throat> that is very cool. Does, did you say release date yet? No, 2018. All right. Sometime. Uh, well, I, I just want to bring this up. In case anybody hasn't heard it yet, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross from Nine Inch Nails have released a cover of John Carpenter's Halloween theme. Ooh. Uh, they released it on Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. You just kind of meshing all your horror movies together there uh i like it did you did you listen yeah, to it yeah, yeah i dug it it's really cool like there's a it's, it's i pretty... wish that the end was more so the whole song though really because the the last minute of that i think really gets into more of that nine inch nails sounding type of stuff well and i wish that they, the whole song would have been more of that other than other than that though i can't complain it's fantastic i i, I like it because it, it i mean it keeps it keeps a lot of the kind of john carpenter-esque Mm-hmm. Um, quality to it in the first, it's like seven minutes long or something like that, mm-hmm. and then it, you can slowly kind of start to hear that that Nine Inch Nails influence, and then when it hits that break at the end, I I think I said it on Twitter, it was th- that like the Halloween theme is composed in five four, but when you don't when you don't really pay that much attention, you don't really notice it that much because it just works so well. But something about the beat that they chose for the end of that really makes the 5-4 time signature pop. I yeah. think it sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of <laughs> Halloween and John Carpenter, yes. we finally have a confirmation from the man himself yeah. that he is, in fact, scoring the new Halloween flick. Right on. Very excited about that. The way he announced it was basically, well, I guess I'm doing it. It seems like I made a deal. <laughs> he was very nonchalant about it, but he did, in fact... Uh, I do I have the exact quote if you want oh, to hear it. would you? Speaking to Billboard this week, John Carpenter spilled the beans. 
I'm an executive producer and it looks clear to me, it looks clear to me that I've made made a deal to do the music. And so like you said, it's just kind of like, fell yeah, it kind of looks like it. <laughs> um, he told the site, there are many options. I'll be consulting with the director to see what he feels. I could create a new score. We could update the old score and amplify it, or we could combine those two things. I'll have to see the movie to see what it requires. I think that's cool that he's like, he's really, he's really allowing them mm-hmm. a lot of creative control over his yeah. baby. You know, it's, it's really cool. Cause like just, I can see like a ton of other people, directors who also <clears throat> score their own movies, which is not a ton of them, but um, like just kind of wanting to hold on to yeah. their stuff so mm-hmm. much. But the fact that he's saying like, I'm, I want to see what they want and then I'll do it for him. You know, it's really cool. Well, you got to keep in mind, and this kind of goes into something that I just read. I wasn't going to talk about this, but since we're getting into it, I will a little bit. Um, now in the past, we've talked about John Carpenter being very lazy about uh, his, his film career and not caring about remakes, saying, just pay me. Not lazy, really. Well, just like he's... he. he Toward toward the later He's, half, he got a little more apathetic. In, about. in a new interview, he doubled down, doubled down on that, doubled yeah. down on that. There we go. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of is going back to the whole thing and asked about people remaking his movies. His answer was, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase this because I don't have it in front of me. But his answer was basically, uh, I'm love it. I love it when they pay me, and if they don't pay me, I don't care. But I think they should pay me. I'm an old man. I need money. <laughs> that was basically his answer. He was very nonchalant about the whole thing again. And it it's a little bit disheartening because it seems like he's so into this now and he's like getting back into it. And I think that he still is. I don't see why it's disheartening, really. I mean, he's not say, he's not saying anything that people aren't thinking. Like, if you had some sort of intellectual property and somebody wanted to do something else with it, you'd be like, yeah, you can yeah. just pay and because, me for because it. Because exactly. it makes you know, me wonder... how the world works. Because yeah, exactly. it makes me wonder, though, how much he is doing the new Halloween movie because of the paycheck, because he knows he's getting a huge paycheck, mm. or if he's doing it because he legitimately wants to. He seems to. really excited about it. Yeah, it, he does, so we'll see. I hope that that's the case. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um. Well, Warner Brothers mm. says that development of the Beetlejuice sequel yeah. is moving forward. Yeah. Beetlejuice, what, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. What are we, like 30, what, what is it, like 30 <laughs> years old, 32 years old or something at oh this point? God, Beetlejuice with geriatrics, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it says that it's moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, writer Mike Vukadinovich has been hired to Vukadinovich. Vukadinovich has been hired to. I'm, I'm guessing that's not an Italian name. Like <laughs> I was going for Russian, so <laughs> but you did like the Italian fingers. Maybe he's a Russian Italian. <laughs> uh, he's been hired to rewrite the five-year-old Seth Graham Smith screenplay, mm-hmm. and they don't know if it's like a complete. Like a page one rewrite, yeah, they, they don't know they if it's just no like polishing it up, but it's apparently it's still going to be in development. What's so. exciting about that though is that um, Tim Burton and Michael Keaton are currently in production on Dumbo, mm. and both of them are very excited about the prospect of collaborating again on a sequel. Cool. So that's exciting. It's exciting that both of them are still their hats are still in the ring, and they're just kind of waiting for things to come together. That's very exciting. Absolutely. Speaking of Warner Brothers. Um, Warner Brothers did something that uh, was very, very unexpected to me. Um, they have a pretty big uh, budget film coming out, and um, it's been advertised uh, as one thing, and they they went ahead and just changed the name completely. Yeah. Um, wow. And and it's and it's it's a weird move by them because that's huge everyone, news. Yeah, I know, it, huge, especially because it's about a huge freaking shark, right? Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, this movie used to be called Meg. Yeah. Um, Warner Brothers bombshell dropped. They're changing Meg 
Get this. Now it's called the Meg. What? <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> Jay quit life. James has left the building. Right, I'm out of here. James, come back. We have a show. How are, wait, but how are people even going to you know I, that I, it relates I, I, to the old movie? You just ruined your... How are you going to... If, pe if people were expecting it as Meg, how are they going to even know what to look for when looking I, for the movie? I, I don't know. The Meg? <laughs> What's this? Uh, circa this is, this 2005 is the biggest, with band names? The blank. This is huge where's news. The, where's there's, the verb? Where's the verb at the front? There's literally no other news to go along with this. This is the biggest like piece of shit non-news news story I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> They need uh, the verb in front, like all like the uh, 2005 through seven band names, like verb the noun, or like the ver or like the verb. <laughs> Shut up! Shut your mouth. Yeah, I, I, um, I was in a verb the noun band, and we were cool. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, I would have, I, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall in that think tank. <laughs> it doesn't, even, wait, make, wait, it doesn't guys, even make any sense. Guys, hear me out. Because I thought they named the, the shark. Meg. It's a megalodon, obviously. Megalodon. And I thought they named the shark Meg. So it makes sense. It's about Meg. Like Jaws was a, well, like that wasn't really his name. But I didn't even think. I didn't even really take it that way. As though the shark's name was Meg. I just now thought it's like, like the, it was, me the, it, the megalodon. Like, I get it. It's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> just I'm, call it Meg. Whatever. Makes a lot more sense. Well, to, I mean, like <sighs> you said, that's it's a non-story. Why is that even? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Talk about creep. Ah, oh, jeez. All right. I will. Thanks. Um. <clears throat> so the director of Creep and Creep Two. Mm -hmm. Patrick Bryce just confirmed at the Telluride Film Festival that Creep will be a trilogy, which excites me. I really like the first one. I'm looking forward to the second one. Uh, in and fact, this the original was actually, movie was yeah. sold with the condition that there would be two sequels. Which is a good move on so, his part. Yeah, mm -hmm. so um, that's that's cool. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Creep 2, I mean, I, I'll tell you real quick, a, a rundown. In case you haven't seen Creep 1, it's it's awesome. <laughs> I think it's on Netflix still, so you can go check it out. Creep, Creep 2 stars Desiree Akavan as Sarah, a video artist whose primary focus is creating intimacy with lonely men. After finding an ad online for video work, she thinks she may have found the subject of her dreams. She drives to a remote house in the forest and meets a man, played by Mark Duplass from The League, claiming to be a serial killer. Unable to resist the chance to create a truly shocking piece of art, she agrees to spend the day with him but discovers she may have dug herself a hole from which she cannot escape. Sounds like a real dumb girl. Yeah. Well, I mean, if the guys... Because <laughs> in the first one, this guy did not claim to be a serial killer. So I could see why somebody would show up to film him. But if the guy's actually claiming to be a serial killer, probably not a great idea to... It's I'm like, just saying. It's like Behind <clears throat> the Mask, only like a serious horror movie. That's right. Kind of. That's exactly right. Now it just sounds like a ripoff. <laughs> Fuck this movie. No, shut up. <clears throat> I'm excited for it. Um, okay, real quick here. Amityville The Awakening is currently free on Google Play. Uh, we mentioned this, I think, in weeks past or whatever, but it is now officially available. I downloaded it today. Mm -hmm. uh, now through November 14th. So you can get on it and... Uh... On Google Play, you said? Yes. Do you have to? How do you, I? I don't think I have Google. No, Play. it's is Android. It like, it's it, it's on Android oh, phones. I see. It's so, Google's operating system. It's their like app store. So I guess I'll have to invite you over so we can watch it together. Um, or you can just come to my place. No, screw that. It's scary over there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else we got here? Uh, never hike alone. Oh damn it! Oh, so Wait, good. hold on. Let's. You want to put this off until the end? We'll talk about this a little more. All at right. The end. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, so speaking of never hike alone, <laughs> and Friday the Thirteenth. Kane Hodder and C.J. Graham will be appearing in costume together. Together, 
for the first time ever at Monster Mary Monster Maria Monster Mania in uh -huh. Cherry Hill, New Jersey, uh -huh. March 9th through the 11th of 2018. That's pretty awesome. Now they've both they've both done um, in costume signings before. Just never together. Not a lot, but they've both done them. Right. Never together though. In the same costume. <laughs> like together, they're back, they're gonna back be... to back, and they just spin around. <laughs> Look, like like Kane is the left half of the body, and and CJ is the right half. <laughs> That'd that's... be amazing. Um, yeah, no, this is pretty cool. I wish that I could go. Clearly, I'm I'm not going to, but um, I I wish that we could go because that's really cool. I for some reason really want them to have like a marquee that's set up like an old um like 50s Leave It to Beaver. <laughs> Like type of thing where it just says the Jasons. <laughs> I don't know why. It's gonna be funny. The end. The end. <laughs> <laughs> All right. October twenty fifth, the late and great George Romero will be getting his posthumous Walk of Fame star. Bullshit that it hasn't happened already. Well, yes. He was actually he was selected before he died. Okay. Um, and then and then he died, which is terrible. But then uh, after his death, a fundraiser was put together by a guy, I think his name is Matt O'Neill, I didn't write it down. I think it's Matt O'Neill though. A fundraiser was put together to help pay for it, because mm -hmm. apparently those Walk of Fame stars are extremely expensive. So, um, now you were saying, I, I don't really I know read, much about crowdfunding, but- I it, had read that the crowdfunding, crowdfunding effort did not reach its goal. Now, it did not specify whether it was a Kickstarter or if it was a GoFundMe. Kickstarter, you don't get the money if you don't reach the goal, right? Yeah, correct. And then GoFundMe, I believe you do. Now, now I believe there's an option on Kickstarter that you might be able to choose that you can keep it. I don't I don't know how it works. I've never done it before. Yeah. But it, to me, it sounded as though they didn't reach the goal. And to me, it sounded like they didn't get the money. <clears throat> I don't know any of the ins and outs, though. I, I could be wrong. I'm not even going to use that as corrections because I just... It's, I don't know where I'd even find that information at. Yeah, I Kickstarter, I suppose. I guess you could you could probably <laughs> just ask the dude. I'm sure he's but, on um, Twitter. No, I'm I'm excited that he's finally gonna get it. Yes, me too. It's uh, long awaited and much appreciated or much deserved. Rip up the Trump star. Put Romero's right in his place. <laughs> there you go. Right. right? <laughs> so with enough money, I can buy myself a Hollywood star. Probably, yeah, yeah. Because you've you've done a lot in the business. Yeah, a lot of. Lots beer of, drinking <laughs> and porn. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so let's uh, okay, let's wrap okay, it up. Let's go. Let's back talk about now. Never let's, Hike Alone. Let's let's hike backwards a little bit. Yes. Um, the Never but Hike not, Alone, but not alone. Not alone. I'm with you. I'm with you, fine gentlemen. I think we'll be okay. Uh, Never Hike Alone, uh, the Friday the Thirteenth fan film. Uh, was just released this week. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about this for the last six months or so. I feel like I've been hearing about this for a long time. Not only fan-made, but fan-funded. Yes, uh, this, awesome. was a, this was a crowdfunding campaign. Right. Um, they hit and exceeded their goal, from right. my understanding. And um, if I had to describe this film in one word, it would be fan Fantastic. <laughs> that took way too That long. was almost two words, Michael. <laughs> That's how big of a break you no, had. It's, no, it's so good. Yeah, like, it was awesome. This is, we're, we're, I read earlier today, too, um, that we are approaching on the longest drop between Friday the 13th movies in the franchise's history. So Which if, is crazy. So if they just add this in there, then which they Which they could, they can, they because can, technically speaking, there's a little bit of canon in it. Right. Just they could it. just restart the uh, restart the clock then, right? Mm -hmm. No, this we'll was... See. This was so so awesome. I I actually I meant to pull up the uh, IMDb here, so I'm going to do that right it's, now. It's funny. <clears throat> they for a long time there was there was they were teasing, not teasing, but there was talk of the studio wanting to do a found footage Friday the 13th movie. Yeah, and it sounded terrible. It did. Like nobody wanted it. It was like not for this. Blah blah. 
This fan film, though, mixes found footage with narrative shooting. Yeah. And it works stunningly. Yeah, it it's worked so awesome. good. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I wish we would have gotten is a little bit of found footage of Jason, which you don't really get. Because uh, a lot of the found footage stuff happens before Jason shows up. You do, you do a little glimpses, bit. There's glimpses, yeah. but it's not like him full on attacking him or anything like that. But I, there's a but chase scene. But, but at the same it. time, I kind of appreciate that because uh, one of the things about found footage, even though we love found footage, we always say, "Is your first instinct to really keep rolling?" That's true. You're That's being true. attacked by something, it and you're going to keep the rule that we always hate. So yeah. I kind of, I kind of like that they didn't add that in you know that's mm -hmm. that's pretty cool and and in that way bouncing back and forth from found footage to narrative is what made it work so well yeah and it's a really cool premise <clears throat> yeah uh, it's, uh, it's basically just about a guy that has like a youtube page and he does hiking and he does people so can follow a, him on a, the trail he's a vlogger he's like a, a hiking vlogger and and he it seems like he's really popular and he just goes out and hikes around the country and shows people the wilderness right and um he ends up coming across Crystal Lake mm -hmm. on one of his hikes and he goes around exploring. He actually knows a little bit about the history of it because his brother used to tell him stories about it and then he ends up coming into contact with Jason. And and Jason looks fucking awesome. Yeah, he looked good. Like holy shit, like it doesn't it doesn't look like a fan film. It looks like it looks like I've never I, this is probably an unpopular opinion. I've never been a big fan of a lot of the Jasons in Jason 1 through 4. Not a big fan of the way Jason, or two through four, rather. Never been a big fan. Well, you don't like tight pants, Jason? Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Jason 5 doesn't count because it's not a real movie. Jason 6 is pretty good. That's uh, CJ um, CJ Graham. Graham. Yeah, Jason Lives? Yeah, is Jason six? Lives. Uh, he was good. I liked him. He was like... He was like a cross. It was like a cross between old Jason and what Jason was becoming. And, mm -hmm. I, and, I, and I dug that. Um, clearly, Kane Hodder was the best. Well, duh. That being said, though, the Jason in Never Hike Alone, though, is kind of like a throwback Jason, but they did it right. He mm -hmm. looks menacing. He doesn't look stupid. Like He doesn't look like a guy just playing Jason. He, right. I don't know. It, it's just, it's awesome. It was good. It was really good. I loved it. Uh, Jason was actually played by the director. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, uh, this was directed by a guy named Vincente DeSante. Mm hmm. And, uh, and he's the one that also played Jason. So. Oh, very cool. Uh, who, was the, who played the lead? Uh, his name's Drew Lady. He was awesome as well. Like, yeah, he really, was really, really good. good. I can't say the rest though. I can't say the same for the rest of the cast at the uh, end. <laughs> They're all pretty shitty. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> um, Especially those uh, the EMS, like the girl and the guy in the, the back of the, the EMS. The two EMTs. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, they were rough. <laughs> um, there was. We're not gonna give away the ending, mm -hmm. but there's a there's a pretty there's a pretty cool ending that kind of like Mike said. There's a, a little bit of. A little bit of canon in the story, and it and it ties ties it to the rest of the franchise, mm -hmm. and it's it's pretty cool to see. So yeah, um, I dig it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Check it out. Though it's only fifty minutes or fifty three. Fifty three minutes. minutes or something it's, like it's that. It's a quick watch, yeah. and um, yeah. The the score was really awesome. It was really well shot, well acted. It was cool. Yeah, I, I think that the best thing to happen to fan films in recent memory mm -hmm. is the um, the advent of the drone. Because mm. they got some amazing landscape shots from high above the trees. And you could tell that it was from a drone because it was a little, <clears throat> yeah. not shaky, but a little wavy. So you could yeah. tell that it was, you know, up in the air. And, um, yeah. It, like, op it opens with, like, a, almost like, you know, like that very famous shot of the Torrance's car in the mm -hmm. beginning of The Shining. Like mm -hmm. that it's a bird's eye view straight down on the car. It opens yep. with one of those shots. Yep. And, like you said, back in the day, 
you needed a helicopter, you needed a pilot, you needed a cameraman yep. who was willing to hang out the, ha- mm-hmm. the side of a helicopter. It's now so you just easy. send a droid yeah. up or a drone up, and it's you're good to go. Yep. So and and just that that adds so much production value to the movie. Though. Absolutely. Like, and, yeah. And it, and the movie looks good too. Like it doesn't look like a oh, yeah. like a crappy. Doesn't look fan like a fan film, film like, at all. It, it, it looked amazing. Yeah. So we we can't stress it enough. Um, we are still in the month of Friday the Thirteenth. So do yourself a favor and go watch it if you haven't yet. Definitely. Because it's fantastic. Yep. Yep. Uh, also, if you're interested, uh, another podcast, uh, friends of ours, they do. Uh, it's a podcast called the Splatterhouse Podcast, uh, and they probably, like I said, like six months ago, actually did a big um, uh, in-person interview with the director. And they talked all about uh, the new the fan film, and this was in the process of it being made. I think it was in post at that point, but um, but yeah, they talk a lot about it. So if you're more interested in it, uh, go check out the Splatterhouse podcast and uh, check that episode out. Right on. So. Uh, before we get into the tofu, I just want to say we're doing us doing something a little bit different tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will actually, in in lieu of our our normal outro, we're going to be playing a song from a, a band that we met called Batshit Crazy. Yeah. Uh, they're from California. They, <laughs> what are they? Pop punk horror rock and roll. Yeah, and, sounds uh, about right. And they're pretty damn good. So they, we're um, we're gonna be playing yeah. one of their songs at the end. So make sure you stick around for that. Yep, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more. about Yeah, it we're definitely. We I think Mike's got a, a bio over there from them and everything. So mm-hmm. we'll be giving you some info and then playing a rock and tune. Yeah. <laughs> so stay right. tuned for that. So now we get to get into some some traps. Yep, traps. It's a trap. It's a trap. Throughout this, you'll see faces ripped apart with hooks, a man slashing himself into a bloody pulp, and graphic, macabre, torturous images that defy description. Yes, we are back. Now, bef- dose. Now, before we jump into this, we didn't ask this question last week. <laughs> now that we've watched six two weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago. Sorry, got to avoid those corrections. Sorry, sorry. <clears throat> um, we didn't ask this. Now that we've watched six of the movies, we've re rewatched pretty much all the traps except for Saw 3D. Um, if you could choose to be in one of the traps to try and survive one <clears throat> of the traps, which one would it be? Easy. What? Hypodermic needles. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Uh, I, like, I like needles. Yeah, okay. All right. Is that really your... No, God, no. no. That would be the um, worst. I'm pretty sure like a survivable trap would have to be actually in Saw 5. Which one? When they're in the big room and there's a bomb with like a, a nail bomb in it. Mm, and there's oh. a bunch of jars in the ceiling all they have to do is smash them to get a key keep in, that one seems very easy to get through keep in mind though that when you're in this trap you are like you're basically taking yourself out of your world right now and putting yourself into the world where you're still involved with the other people <clears throat> mm-hmm. and all the people in soft five are idiots sure so it so logically yes like oh what if what if we all smash one jar and we find one key and all five of us can easily fit into one of these tubes that is a fact mm, mm. but you're dealing with a bunch of idiots okay. who don't know their ass from okay, their face okay okay uh if i was by myself then how about the razor wire trap from the very first movie i feel as though i'm pretty um that one would work for you because you're 
You're small I'd be like, I'd be like Catherine, Catherine Zeta Jones in Entrapment, just kind of <laughs> contorting myself around the uh, that, the right That's that's what I want to see is that butt <laughs> shot of of instead of her going underneath a laser, I want to see Mike's cute little tush I would, just. But I would have to do it underneath some razor wire. I'd have to do it. I would have to do it naked though, so that my clothes didn't get caught in the razor wire. Of course. Yeah. So that butt would be. Watch out for your donger. Oh, man. My balls might catch on some <laughs> razors. Oh, my gosh. Uh, what about you, Jay? You got I, one? I would have to go with the, the, the glass box with the, the razors in it. The, you stick oh, your hand up in there? Because the key there's was a, right there. Because there's a key. Because I would just look around the side yeah. and see that there's Before a key. Before just sticking my hand stupid. into something, I would observe and I'd be... I'm smart. Even once still, once though, again, though, keep in mind that at this point, you've had some... You've had uh, um, that neuro agent coursing through your veins for two hours well before going on saw i would be doing a bunch of like meth and stuff like that so that way i get used to my body having <laughs> toxins go. in it see that's perfect i feel perfect so that one, answer that one though that that trap would be very easy to get out of though because all you have to do is reach your one hand up there grab the key and then use your other hand to push on the sides of the razors to open them more and then slide your hand out. Yeah, you're you not, can very easily get out of that you're one. You're not wrong. But at the point when she did that, she so she reached up and she went to pull the the uh, syringe out and the plunger came out. Mm -hmm. This was the dumbest thing ever. She yeah. First of all, when you see the plunger starting to come out, like you just stop pulling. No, she was in frantic rage too, right. though, so I, I get it. And that's why she stuck her other hand up yeah. in there is because oh. she... The people in these movies are idiots. No, they really are. <laughs> You but, really are. What about you? Um, I think that I would want to be in the reverse bear trap. I mean, clearly. Just because. <laughs> Just because. No, because I, I wouldn't want to cut somebody open. That would kind of mm -hmm. suck, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. But who is that someone? Were they a shit bag? Because maybe they deserve it. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to... <laughs> I shouldn't have asked this question without <laughs> having a good answer. I, I, I would take the shotgun collar, too. The shotgun, shotgun collar? Shotgun. Yeah, at least yeah. you're going to die quick. <laughs> you're not going to suffer. Well, because I, even I was saying, too, I would just put a piece of metal in between the the, the primer. Yeah, but then, it, but then but you have Amanda watching you the whole time. And also... I if, would turn them all to face towards her. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I would go with uh, um, probably from Saw 5, the very first one, where they're... Uh, where they're, they have the collar around their neck and there's like the razor behind them that will decapitate them if they don't get to the keys. Uh-huh. Because I'm, I'm pretty big. There was some small people in that room. I could probably fight my way forward to get one of those keys regardless of what happened to everybody yeah, else. Yeah. <laughs> so probably that one. Fair enough. Okay. I think that one seems like it would be easy. Well, speaking of Saw 5. Speaking of... Let's, uh, let's do Saw 4 first. Because... I was going to backtrack. I was going to backtrack. I was gonna backtrack. Um, all right. So now we are entering into the second trilogy of the Saw franchise. Yeah. Um, these uh, three movies were all written by a new writing team, uh, Patrick um, Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan. Mm. They wrote 4, 5, and 6. Mm -hmm. uh, they are the team that is behind all three Feast movies, which are oh, personal favorites of mine. Oh, yeah. Um, they also wrote The Collector and The Collection. Uh, and I believe Patrick Melton directed those two as well. And then they also wrote the seminal coming-of-age flick, Piranha 3 Double D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, boy! Now, now thinking, thinking back to The Collector, mm -hmm. do you think that they kind of... Do you think that they took some of their 
di- uh, like discarded ideas for Saw movies. I think it's very possible. Because that's basically what the collector is. Yeah, it's they're, like, they're, trap they're like movies. Saw traps, but mm-hmm. with just one dude kind of hunting people down, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sort sort of yeah. I, th- I think it's probably safe. It's about so. a, it's about a home, and if I haven't seen, I've not I've not seen the collection. I've only seen the collector, and it's been a long time. Yeah. If memory serves, it's it's about a guy that breaks into a house to find out that the house was already broken into, and that guy set a bunch of traps. The the other guy who had already broken guy, in. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I need to re- we should we should rewatch those for uh, for an episode. Yeah, we should. Be good. Yep. But uh, anyway, <clears> though, so uh, Saw Four. Uh, directed uh, for the last time by Darren Lynn Bowsman. Mm. Um, he actually wasn't going to come back to the franchise. He was going to bow out at number three. And then two things happened. Um, Matt Matt Hoffman, is that his name? Greg Hoffman? Uh, I think it's Greg Hoffman. Greg Hoffman, one of the, the producers. Producer? Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he ended up passing away, mm-hmm. and, I th- and a lot of the people wanted to come back and do one more for him. But also, he read the script... And it was the he didn't think that there was anything else that he could be shocked by in the series. Mm-hmm. He read the script and it blew him away. And the twist ending was something that he just didn't for a million years see coming, and that got him back on board to come uh, come and do it. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah. So um, once again, before we get into them, uh, we said this last week. We can't really talk about the series without giving spoilers because. That's especially where we are in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saw is not one of those kind of series that you can jump into the middle and have a prayer and shit to know what the hell is going on. A prayer and shit. Who would ever pray and shit anyway? I, I mean, there's some people <laughs> like that. I don't know. Knocking out two birds with one stone, man. Sometimes you gotta you gotta take your, your alone time when you got it. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah, there you go. I've probably play, prayed on the John before. I've done it. <laughs> I hope everything comes out okay. Oh God. Um, no, but like. You really can't though. Like it's one of those series where you're lost. If you jump in the middle of it, you're lost. Um, therefore, uh, we're gonna be talking about a lot of spoilers. The endings clearly because they progress throughout the uh, throughout the series. Truth. Um, Saw four though. Um, so this this is the saw that is uh, that is focused on the character of Rig. Rig, uh, who we saw briefly in one or two of the previous films. Uh, all of the previous films, all of them. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very minor part though. He was just the the leader of the SWAT team, basically. The leader of the team. Um, and he was kind of just always behind the detectives in charge. He had, he would have a couple lines, and that's it. He gradually throughout like throughout the first three had more and more lines. Yeah. So you could kind of. Kind of guess that he you, was going to have more of a could, major role. But they role really at some point. thrust him into the spotlight in uh, in this <clears throat> flick, right? Um, so yeah, I it's, and and that's one of the, I it's the genius of this series is you never know what character who had tiny little bit part is going to come back and play a massive role mm-hmm. uh, in shaping the series and progressing it forward. You just never know, right? Um, and I, and we said this the two weeks ago. I'm going to say it again this week. It's one of the things I love about the series. It's it's brilliantly complexly written. Yeah. And there I don't think there's any other series <clears throat> out that even touches Saw oh. in the complexity of the movies. I don't think so. Um and, and this and these this second set of movies, uh four, five, and six in particular, where there are there are parts in the fourth movie that um like once you see the sixth movie, you're like, they they had to have known that they were gonna write mm-hmm. the sixth movie mm-hmm. at some point because there's no way that they could have because if they if they if it, if it would have just ended at four, a lot of the things that were done in four wouldn't have made sense. No, not at all. You know, like uh, uh well, even actually, I'll go back even further. Like even to uh, Saw three, there's a there's a part where Amanda finds a uh, an envelope in the yes. desk, mm-hmm. and you don't find out until you get little bits and pieces of what that envelope was through 
four and five, and then you don't find out until the end of six what it really was. Yeah, like you find out, you, you see <clears throat> for the first time in three that you find out in four who put it there, right. but you still don't know what it says. Right. And it's not until six that you actually know what it's. Oh, it's brilliantly <laughs> complex. God, I love these movies. Um, okay, so so software, take us away. Software. Um, so just for the uh, let's see how IMDb did. <laughs> IMDb dead on this one. Despite Jigsaw's death and in order to save the lives of two of his colleagues, Lieutenant Rig is forced to take part in a new game which promises to test him to the limit. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's a bit misleading because there is a a twist at the end of this one. There is. There is. <clears throat> um like I mean like all other Saw movies, but the twist at the end of this one is What's the twist? This is the one <laughs> like this is the one that when I was sitting in the theater, I I I got confused for a couple minutes. Yeah. I was like, "What the but that guy is right there. Was, and I was like, that, and wait that, a second. And, that, and then I just shat myself in the middle of the theater. <laughs> and then you prayed about it. At the same time. <laughs> <And then laughs> I prayed about it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's really cool the way they wrapped it all up. And uh, um, it was cool. It was This was the first one. For some reason, like, uh, we didn't talk about this last one, but uh, Charlie Clouser from Nine Inch Nails. Mm-hmm composed the score for all of the movies and is returning for Jigsaw. Nice. And um, this is the movie, it seemed like the score was a little bit different from all the other ones. And it was almost, really? it was almost, there were, there were just parts, there were parts that felt like almost kind of corny well, to they me. Did, they did have different musicians coming, did, didn't we say, was it Wes Borland that West, came in on one? Yeah, Wes Borland was... Uh, and there was a couple other guys, uh, a couple other Nine Inch Nail guys took a part. In, I want to uh, say Wes Borland was part of three. Three? Yeah. I mean, the score stays pretty pretty steady throughout the series, but there was something, like, we watched four together a few nights ago, and I just remember, uh, it's the first movie that really has that, like, super polished look. Yes. Uh, it looks, it, it doesn't really have that, like, kind of dirty, grimy look that the right. first three had. And, uh... And and then I also remember the score standing out and being like, I don't know, there's something that feels kind of corny about it. It could even be something along the lines of like, um, you know, getting into that and then thinking, man, uh, my style of writing's been similar. I feel like I've been doing the same thing. Like, mm -hmm. you know, because he's a, a musician in a band, so right. he might think if the band releases the same exact sounding album for three years in a row or whatever, they they got to change something up a little bit to keep it interesting. Yeah, I think it's possible. And he might have that vibe. So. I think it's possible too that it could have changed because. If you think about the movies, the second trilogy focuses less on Jigsaw the Man, and it focuses on, for the most part, a different antagonist. Um, first part of our spoilers here, so you may guess if you're listening to part two, you don't give a shit at this point. Uh, Hoffman basically becomes our antagonist at this mm -hmm. point. Uh, he, uh, you find out in three that he's uh, been behind a lot of the stuff, setting up traps ever since two, you know, and he's been a part of this for a no, while. No, you don't find that out in three, you find that out in four. Uh, four, four is the one with the big reveal at the end where he's been sitting in the chair the whole time, tied up. Oh yeah, you're right. Come you're on, right. Mike. You're right. Come on. You're. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. Um. Well, regardless of which, though. Yeah. It, it four kicks off though the, this new era of Hoffman being the antagonist. Right. Now Jigsaw is still there. He's still is he still put things in motion. Like, mm -hmm. And Hoffman's basically carrying out his wishes. Yeah. So Jigsaw still has a big part of it, but Hoffman is the physical presence. That is carrying out the stuff now. So he is, for all intents and purposes, the antagonist. Right. Um, pretty much from here until, <clears throat> I think, the end of the series. 
Um, yeah, I mean, the, the timeline twists around itself a lot, mm -hmm. and that's one of the parts that we really like about it, mm -hmm. but um, by, the, by the sixth movie, it's, yeah, mostly Hoffman doing everything. For the most part, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, <laughs> which, which brings up an, a, a question that I think I asked a couple weeks ago that still bugs me, and this is one of the things I don't like about the series, is... Um, John Kramer, Jigsaw, mm -hmm. he's a a brilliant engineer. So he has the he has the knowledge on how to like on how to build these traps. Amanda and Hoffman, Amanda's a junkie. Yeah. A rehabilitated junkie. And Hoffman is a Was she though? Well, y yes. <laughs> um <laughs> and and Hoffman is a he's a detective. Yeah. You know, these aren't people who would r really know how to set these traps up and and one of the things that we're going to kind of I don't let's not talk about this in a linear fashion sure, the way we fine, did last fine. time uh in the beginning of five and then and also by the end of five you find out that the the trap that opens the fifth movie mm -hmm. the pendulum mm -hmm. which is an awesome trap yep but you find out that hoffman set that up himself yeah Trying to make it look like a jigsaw trap. So jigsaw trap. had nothing to do with this one at all. Arguably one of the largest traps in the series. A big, pretty big setup, yeah. And it's and it's incredibly complicated. Mm -hmm. You know, the, not only do you have the pendulum swinging that perfectly every thirty seconds has to move <clears throat> down six inches, but it's also and it's got to be it's got to be like a hundred pound blade at the yeah. end of it. Maybe he hired an outsider like father and son. No jobs too big. No, <laughs> no jobs, jobs too, too small. small. <laughs> We're father and son. Give, Give us a call. call. You know. Sorry. <laughs> Lo local people will get that one. <laughs> um, but then it's also the Seth Baxter, the guy who was in the trap, had to put his hands out and push these buttons and then the bu buttons had to lower these vice grip hands, things yep. that crush his hands. This is all really complicated for yeah, a detective if there's, who yeah. has no engineer. well, I'm just assuming no engineering background, to be able to put this thing together. Yeah, and I, I will definitely give you that. There's, um, yeah. Another thing that gets me, another flaw is uh, in, in six. <laughs> We're really jumping out here, but in That's six. That's all right. Let's just bounce all over the place. the fuck did they get a zoo? <laughs> We bought a zoo. Is it, you know that you know that Matt Damon movie that yeah. came out last year. That's actually the the prequel to, wait, wait. to Saw Six. Seriously, the word like I didn't it's even a, realize it's from it like 1982, and Matt Damon is actually John Kramer. Oh, well, we bought go. a zoo, and go. then the zoo was, and then the zoo went out of business, we, and he kept the property. We were watching. I was watching <clears> this with my roommate, and I I didn't for some reason I didn't even pick up that it was at a zoo for like the first like three quarters of the movie, uh -huh. and then something happened D despite, toward <laughs> despite the the signs around that say I, I just didn't, zoo entrance and stuff. I, like it, that. Just, it wasn't dawning on me for some reason. Like I wasn't I just wasn't seeing it for whatever reason. And then I realized, like, I said, where the fuck are they? Why are there so many cages? And she goes, they're in a zoo. I go, where the fuck are they in a zoo? I thought that sign what? said 200 entrance. I like, I don't... The two was just not rounded at the top. I just didn't get it. I was like, I... where did they get a zoo? <laughs> there's, I mean, there's got to be, there's got to be closed down zoos. In place. Like, if there's property, if there's property to be bought, you can buy it if you have money. And apparently John Kramer has an unlimited amount of money. He does. He's got, he owns property everywhere. And oh. it's not just like small pieces of property. He owns like gigantic warehouses and now zoos. Maybe he had a thriving mousetrap business. 
<laughs> what? He just made traps for mice. <laughs> really? Made, hey, you really gotta start o- somewhere. Really right? over the top, like, really over the top, elaborate mouse traps. <laughs> I'm sure that would take off. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, uh, where were we? God, we went off on a tangent. Uh, um, we, we were talking about how you didn't realize that it was a zoo. Yeah, you're yeah, an idiot. yeah. It, it's but you were talking about how it, a lot of these uh, the traps don't make a whole lot of sense for anybody other than Jigsaw to make them. Yeah. Uh, and they get so elaborate too. Though, where would Jigsaw have the means to make a lot of these? Money or no money? Some of these are pretty. How do you do? How do you set up giant warehouses and set all this stuff up with nobody knowing what you're doing? Right. It's it's a little bit fishy, but it's suspension of disbelief. Well, and, that, and that brings into that brings into the question like how long he's actually been? Because some of this stuff, I mean, so essentially, spoiler here. Uh, Saw three and Saw four are happening happening simultaneously. That was that's the big reveal that, like I said, I shat myself when I when I first saw it. Because exactly. It, it and my, there, <laughs> there's I don't think there's ever been a movie that has had a twist on me like um, that. Might be my favorite twist of the entire series. Actually, it's a good one. I'm not gonna say it's my favorite movie, but it's my favorite twist. Yeah. Because even though I had seen all these movies before, when uh, there's a part where. Um, or uh, it's the uh, FBI agent. He's making his way through the the halls or whatever, and he comes upon a box. Uh, what's his, what's his name? Strom. Yeah, Strom. Strom. Yeah. Strom is going through the these halls, and the halls look vaguely familiar, but they all kind of do in the Saw series. Strom whatever. played by Scott Patterson, by yes. the way. Um, <clears throat> so he's going through, and then he comes up on an empty box, so the kind of box that you would open, and either be there'd be a, a tape recorder in it or a little note, whatever. But it wasn't a box that. Rig had uh, not rigs, yeah, rigs. Rig, had, yeah. He, it's not a box that he had opened. So you're like, wait a minute, was that that that? And then when you start to connect, within the, the next five minutes, you realize, oh, oh, holy shit, they're in the same place. Right. This is happening. What? What? Like. <laughs> well, and then even when he finds that empty box, you're like, oh, well, he's just in the same place that uh, uh, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Jeff, yeah. He's just in, he's just in the same place that Jeff was yeah. in before. But then. Uh, Jeff, main character from three. Right, but then now all of a sudden you have you've got Rig making his way through those halls, mm-hmm. and then you see Strom making his way through the same building behind, behind Rig, and then you hear this sound effect like a like the sound of somebody hitting something, and then all of a sudden you see um, Jeff mm-hmm. from the third one hitting the light with uh, it was like a, a meat hook or something like that. And you and and you realize like you, at first I was like I, I didn't know what to make of it and I was like holy shit because then Strom reacts to that noise and I'm like is he hearing what Jeff is doing and then and then he walks up on that uh, there's like a, a a workroom with all the mannequins and stuff like mm-hmm. that and you realize he's in the same like warehouse room that uh, Amanda first brought Lynn Denlin in in three and then you hear Amanda's voice. And she goes, well, I'm right here, fix you me, motherfucker. Yeah, you and you're like, oh my god, he's hearing you're what's going in, on in three. You you you've already heard this conversation, and now in four, you're kind of walking into the middle of that conversation. Right. But you already know it's yeah, you know, it's such a mind fuck, and it's so good. Mm-hmm. And I understand now why you know Bowsman read that script and was just completely taken aback by it because it's brilliant. Like, it, it really is brilliant. And this is the first script that uh, Melton and Dunstan had had written. Right. So they really they came in with a bang, like they. They really flipped this shit on its head. Yeah, it was they. They found really clever ways to tie these two movies together and and make it seem as though you know we've said it before. Like they made it seem as though it was planned all along. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Um, um, and and I think that uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't have said this a long time ago when I was still like fresh to the series, but but now that I've seen it so many times, I would actually like to see this movie cut together in in, in, a, in a linear fashion where three and four are happening, like you're are kind of weaving in and out of each other. Yeah, just a big as a, a, a fan cut to right. put everything in order and be a twelve-hour movie. Exactly, but, just to see how things play out when you see every angle at the same time. Yeah, I think that would cool. be kind of cool. It'd be really cool. But like I said, I wouldn't have said that a while. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have wanted spoiled that for myself back in the day when I first saw these. But now I'd kind of like to see that. I think it would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so one of the things too, though, about this the second trilogy uh, that I don't like. Is that you? The whole idea of of Jigsaw's like mythos is that, uh, as he even puts it himself, he despises murders. Yeah, despises murders. This second trilogy, a lot of people end up dying because of the traps on purpose, as opposed to the first trilogy where. It did happen once or twice, like the very first one where she had to cut the key out of the guy's stomach. Right. That guy was going to die. Right. So that he was murdering that guy by putting him in that room. He had no chance to escape. Well, technically, she could have made the choice to not but kill that guy. But he didn't have the chance to escape, though. The whole idea in the first couple movies were... Well, he had an, op- he had a, he had an overdose, overdose of an opioid, mm-hmm. which, uh, if, if it wasn't an overdose, if it wasn't a lethal overdose... At some point, he would have come out of it, I'm thinking. Well, he did wake up at the end. He did wake up. I'm, I'm, if, I'm assuming at some point, being that he did regain consciousness, at some point, he would have fully point come is out though, of it. My point is, though, is that somebody in that room was going to die. Whether it was her choosing not to do it, she was going to die, and but he just killed her. Or she was going to kill him, and he just killed him. The, so, the shitty thing is that he didn't have a choice. That's my point. In, yeah. in, in most of Jigsaw's earlier traps... Mm-hmm. Everybody could have escaped if they played the game correctly. Mm-hmm. Everybody had a chance. They were not set up to where somebody had to die. In the second series, the way that it's written, and if there's one downfall of the Dunson Mountain scripts, mm-hmm. it's that they set up traps to where a lot of people don't have that choice, right. and they're and they're they're set up for murder. Probably the which is not what the idea behind his stuff was for. Probably the main offender being Saw Six. Saw Six had a lot yeah. because uh, in in Saw Six you've got this character of um, uh, not Erickson. What the hell is his name? William. Yeah. Yeah, William, played by Peter Outerbridge. Um, he he's uh, he works for an insurance company. Mm-hmm. He's basically the buck stops here guy. At whether or not you're going to get coverage, he's right. the guy that decides. Um, and who gets it, who doesn't. And outside of his office, there's a big think tank of people that look for discrepancies the dog in people's... Pen. <laughs> yeah, they look for discrepancies in people's files and basically look for reasons for them not to cover them. And the reason this is... Uh, the reason that this is... <clears throat> important. Uh, important to the story is because he was actually... Uh, John Kramer was under his insurance. Mm-hmm. And John came to him and said, I have, I have this... I found this uh, experimental treatment for my cancer that I think would <laughs> experimental bear suit <laughs> I've, I've found this experimental treatment for my cancer that I think has a chance to work and basically William just tells him I'm sorry it's out of my hands it's policy I can't do it for you and um, so he ends up putting William in this scenario in the zoo where he has to work his way through there and in every trap that he comes across aside from I think aside from one, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, in in every trap that he comes across, aside from one, somebody 
Yeah, the steam it, it, maze. The like, steam maze is the only one where they both could have gotten out. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah, oh, yeah. So there's cause, five cause, traps because he wakes up and or yeah, he wakes up and he he has to do the the breath holding competition yep. with the with the janitor. Yep. So basically, there's two. It's him and the janitor. They're both uh, hooked up to these machines, and every time they take a breath, there's like a, a breath gauge, and every time a breath is taken, uh, basically like a vice. Rib cage. It's like a vice around their rib cages, and so one of them is going to die no matter what. There's no out for the two of them. Right. So that's murder. And there's and also and also there re- was really no reason like the people that Jigsaw, uh, in this case uh, Hoffman, mm-hmm. put into these traps, were not bad people. They didn't deserve to be there. There yeah. was the, there was the janitor who he was first up against. His, the janitor's sin was that he smoked. Yeah, he was or a so, lifelong was like, he was a, a lifelong smoker. Real uh, real. Okay. Right. Now granted, these traps though were still technically set up by Jigsaw. Oh, they were created by Jigsaw. So, yeah. so that's why I'm saying though, it's not like you can say, well, Hoffman is just taking over the game now and he's more ruthless than Jigsaw. That's not the case because Jigsaw, 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 Jigsaw still <laughs> designed and set up these traps before he died. Right. So that's not to say Hoffman isn't more ruthless though, he because is. he definitely he is. is. But uh, so then there's that. There's the uh, there's the another one where he basically has to hold on to these two handles mm-hmm. and then there's two people connected in front of him around the neck with barbed wire yeah. and basically he gets to choose one or the other to to hang or to save murder right there's there's a, another murder right there yep. the steam the steam maze that girl could have gotten that out of there that girl could have gotten out of there 100% that's the only one that where mm-hmm. both of them could have gotten out and then the last the last one is there's his dog pen, the six people who find all the discrepancies in the insurance policies, all six of them are on a uh, carousel. carousel, and there's a shotgun with six bullets loaded, and he says it's going to fire all six rounds, but you have the option to press down these buttons. He gets stabbed in the hand, but he you know, he makes a sacrifice mm-hmm. to save two of these people. Yeah. That means no matter what, four of those people are going to die. Now, who's to say That's that he, murder again. Who's to say he couldn't have done that six times and the gun would have gone up? I guess you don't really know. He could have tried it. Could have tried, but he didn't. So you, I guess you don't, you'll never really know. That being said, though, I think it's set up to where it wasn't going to. Right. Um, that's a leap to think that it might. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you're so, killing like, four people right yeah. there that don't have a choice and Granted, they're shitty people, but they didn't have a chance for redemption. Two of them did. Right. But, like, it kind of goes against the idea of what Jigsaw is supposed to be doing. Yeah. So if I have if I, if I have one problem with, with where the series went in these three movies, mm-hmm. that's the problem with it. It's a big... Um, it is a big problem, but it's also... It doesn't, it doesn't it necessarily all, yeah. make me like the movies any less. Yeah. Um... um well, also, too, though, even Saw 5 does it, too. Let's to go backwards. We're jumping around a lot. I hope this is easy to follow. Um, but um, this, even in, this is just for us, Mike. Let's be honest. Even in, <laughs> even in Saw 5, though, you have um, um, uh, uh, Strong, who's in the uh, water thing. There's no way out of that. There was no tape for him to listen to that said, here's the game. Do this or do this. He's just in there to die. But that was... That was so he came to the realization that... He basically figured out that Hoffman was a part of it, uh-huh. and throughout Saw Five, Four. he he finally dies at the end of Five, right? He dies at the big, yes, yeah. yes. I mean, he starts to die at the end of Saw Four. Yeah, he fully dies at, at the, at at the, the end of at or the at the beginning of... of Saw Five. He's dead, but he or 
We're at the end of at the, <laughs> so at the, the end of I know, so I know. Up at sometimes. the end of four, Strom follows Rig, who comes on Jeff and Amanda and uh, all of them in the room. Oh, and that's where that ends. And so it ends with Jigsaw is dead on the on the gurney, on uh, the hospital bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After the surgery, Jigsaw's dead. Um, the doctor is dead because she had her head blown off. Lynn by the... is dead. Amanda's dead. Jeff is dead because so, Strom just shot him yeah, because he so, thought he was coming after yeah, him. So Strom now is in that room where um, where Jigsaw is. So Hoffman locks him in there essentially forever. Now, something just occurred to me. What's that? Uh, the tape. So his Strom, Strom, Strom's game was not the head in the His game the was to basically the, just stay bucket. where you are. Yeah, it said it said it said you need to like I want to play a game. You need to drop this obsession of trying to catch the perpetrator mm-hmm. and just live your life, or you can continue and die. Mm-hmm. And he looks at Jigsaw's dead body and Fuck says, that. "Fuck you." Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Like he he could have gotten out right then, True. but then he continues and he gets put in a trap, and. Maybe that's the point. That trap wasn't supposed to be inescapable because that was supposed oh, to be his death. He does get out of it though in a very in badass way. Fucking a badass <laughs> way. Are you kidding me? So um, good. He basically. I will just give this give this away because it's fun. But uh, he, he so he's in a his head is encased in this glass box, and he's got two like five gallon buckets of water above him, and they basically trickle the water in and fill up the box, and he's supposed to drown in there. And he sees across the room that his pocket knife is not in his pocket, his phone is not, his gun's not in his pocket. And so he he finally starts looking around. Now, was the pen left there on purpose, though? In his pocket? Yeah. They emptied everything else out of his pockets, so why would they leave the pen? It's a very good question. Maybe it just didn't seem... Maybe they just didn't catch it. Maybe they didn't. It didn't see. It's a pen. What's Basically, he pen? takes he takes the pen, and this is completely impossible because doing a trach is like a very delicate operation. But he takes the pen and just slams it into his windpipe. Wouldn't you try if you were in that position? Yeah, though? for sure. I well, I might have tried to hit the glass with the pen first. That's what I thought he was gonna do actually when he first pulled it up. But <laughs> but he slams it into his windpipe, pierces his windpipe, and then he pulls the cap off, and all of a sudden you just hear him go. <laughs> Yeah. through the through the pen which is pretty cool but then again when they bring him out and they say we got a we got a live one Hoffman looks pretty terrified by the fact that he made it out of there so he probably was just supposed to die in that trip mm-hmm. right yeah probably so so um yeah so this uh I'm trying to think of what other traps were in five where people see five was actually good five was more jigsawy because everybody in that room was meant to survive right everybody right and it wasn't until then when you realized that and there were some real big pieces of shit and in in that group my my problem with five is how stupid the the game players are yeah because it was really it was pre- aside from aside from the keys in the first room working in all of the locks and the and this trap was the the one that I said with the collar around the neck and the the razor blades behind you that would decapitate you. Besides that one, where they wouldn't have realized right away that one key would fit in all of the locks, uh-huh. um, all of the other rooms it was pretty obvious that you could, you could, yeah, that 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 you could get through get through it with everybody surviving, because there was that room. Yeah, yeah. And then there were, and then next was the 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 room with the glass jars from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. 
uh-huh. where they easily could have fit into one pipe, you all five fit of them. Three of them into one pipe, probably. Probably all five, don't you no, think? No, 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 no
writing that just weaves in and out. I think I made this analogy two weeks ago. It's like I think a braid. Over, overlapping was the word you were looking for. Yeah, that too. It's like it's like a braid though. You have the first three movies that make this nice braid, but they're very loosely tied. And so what they're doing is they're weaving more strings in between those braids. You know what I'm saying? Like they're making a beautiful tapestry. And then they're tightening that braid <laughs> and then they're wrapping it around some gears on a wheelchair and then they're slowly scalping you as oh, they pull. God, that one sucked. <laughs> Sorry, I was bringing it back to four yeah. real quick. That one, uh, I mean, that wouldn't, that wouldn't, that wouldn't kill you, right? Just being, I mean, it would suck, but like having your scalp ripped off, would that, I don't, that wouldn't kill you? I don't think you'd probably pass out from shock. Um, and it's possible that the way that the if you, if you don't know what we're talking about, there was a girl that had her long flowing blonde locks stuck in a gear and it was slowly pulling her head back, pulling her head into these gears. I think that would have happened because of, because her hair was all clumped into one big thing. I feel as though it probably would have crushed her skull before it would have ripped off her head. Mm. I don't think that it would have scalped her the way that the machine did it. I don't think it you're saying it would have wait it would have crushed her head it would have pulled it was, her it would have pulled her back because all of her hair was there if it, if it had just had the top layer maybe it would have started doing that yeah but it had her entire head's worth of hair yeah i guess that's true that wouldn't have ripped and you can and you can like it's, I, it's really strong and you, you know? can like i've seen i've seen uh like women in and men actually in like uh sideshows and stuff on on youtube where they actually get like lifted up by sure, their hair sure so yeah that's that's a good point i don't think it i think her skull would have cracked honestly i think her head would have been crushed yeah because it was being before... it was being pulled through like a metal loop yeah so that metal loop probably would have that's what i think pushed in the back of her head that's what, that's what i think would have happened yeah um i digress though it still looked cool <laughs> it did look cool <laughs> again traps not important <laughs> um, Tra well traps are kind of important now did we did we uh did we ever answer this? I think we asked it, but did we ever answer the question last week? Do you, do you, have you ever considered the Saw movies torture porn, really? Well, because what you're saying is, you know, you you see the traps in the in the uh, trailer. That's the big selling point. Yeah. You're like, oh fuck, I want to go see this trap. Well, I think by definition, people go through the trap, go for the traps. But do you, is that really why you end up staying? Do you by, stay for the traps? By it's not... definition, they are torture porn movies. The yeah. first one's not. The very first movie is not. Right. Uh, from two on, though, yeah, they are because they're the the entire the entire intent of two through the end is to make the traps more gruesome and more bloody and more brutal. That's torture porn. That's what it is. They're torturing people for the for the entertainment of others. That's it. It's torture porn. Um, that being said, though, I don't I don't think that it's fair that they get lumped into the same category as other mindless torture porn films like the hostile movies. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that that's I don't think that's fair because the Saw movies they're they're so much more than that. You know, like they're they're really 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 smart. They're like the um like like the the guy that that you go to get your your um what's a profession that dumb people do? What's a profession? <laughs> what's a <laughs> I don't know. Like stay-at-home dad. <laughs> sure, sure. No, uh, like, like. Uh, no offense to all you pizza delivery guys out there. But, uh, like, it's a job that doesn't. By the way, I'm not knocking on stay-at-home dads. I am one. So just in case you're yeah, listening it, and like, you think I was taking it's like a, a shot, it's like a pizza delivery dude, right? There's no big skill set that you need to do that. I'm not knocking pizza delivery guys, but it's like it's <laughs> like having sounds like you did. It's like having a pizza delivery dude though come to your door and suddenly you're 
you're talking to him about, you know, ancient Egyptian texts or something like that. This guy's a genius, you know? Like, that's kind of what these movies are. On the surface, they're very accessible. They're very one-dimensional. But under the surface, though, they're, they're so much more. Like, they're... You're all, you're all about the analogies <laughs> and the metaphors tonight. <laughs> I just want pizza. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> um, no, but they are though. Like they're not what they seem on the surface. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're again the advertisements. They're advertised as one thing mm-hmm. because that's what sells. Right. But that's not that's not what they are though. Yeah. Like, I wish I almost wish these movies existed in different in a different format that wasn't torture porn. You know what I'm saying? Like, can you imagine the this type of writing in a, in, um, say say the movie Seven had a nine long film series made out of it? That tone, right? Mm-hmm. There's no torture porn, anything about Seven, but it's dark and it's grimy and it's well acted. And it, and imagine that writing in that type of movie, mm-hmm. where there it's this, it's like this big long case that Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman have been trying to figure out. In every movie, you just learn more and more and more, and things backtrack, and you realize that that Brad Pitt really was the killer the entire time, but Morgan Freeman was the pizza delivery dude. And like, <laughs> Oh my God. What are you talking about? No, you get what I'm saying though. Like, I do, yeah. I, like that kind of writing though, in, in a, in a, like a super like a thriller. dark psychological thriller. I know you hate would be fucking genius. Man. Yeah. Like so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like shit that fan edit we were talking about fan, edit, fan edit that, and take out the torture porn elements. Like, show the people that are being set up, take out them actually doing it, and just to where you well, know what happened. Well, you're still, I mean, you still want to see the traps, though. My point is, though, is, there, it, stands, that is it would stand without them. That is a point. good percentage of the appeal of the Saw well, movies. Fine. You suck at this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Shut up. Um, I don't know. That's, yeah. So, the, the in a nutshell, though, how did you feel about the second trilogy? Um... I, I like it because, like, like you said, this is where they really start to answer some of the questions that you had in the in the first three movies. Yeah. Um, so I really like that aspect of it. Um, the traps the traps were cool, but like you said, I, like you're saying, I, I don't mean to contradict what I just said about, about uh, coming for the traps, but the traps are almost secondary because it's just mm-hmm. the, the storylines are really cool. And... Uh, I, I just I, I but I most of all I really like the expose of yeah. the of the the second three the second three movie the 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 fourth fifth and sixth movie. You got any hot sauce for this? <laughs> nope. Jay brings crackers and doesn't have any hot sauce. Breaking what the a, cardinal rule. <laughs> what a dunce. We, um, one thing that we didn't talk about is the fact that uh, we get a lot more backstory on Jill, Jigsaw's wife. Mm-hmm. We did not bring that up, and she plays an integral part in this secondary series. I think you actually finally, you only meet her in four. I think this is the first time you see her. No. Four, four or five? No, you see her in a flashback in three. Oh, fair, fair. When he's having, uh, when, when he's having the surgery to relieve the, the pressure on his brain. Yes, yes, you're right. Which, I one thing that I didn't bring up... One of the things I love about this uh, about this series is um, not only the twisting and turning plot lines and and how they like they jump back and forth in the timeline, but also they drop characters in in weird spots where if you spot them, like if you you wouldn't you wouldn't notice it on like a first or maybe even a second or third viewing, but once you've seen the movies enough, you start to pick up on the placement of 
odd picture characters. Frames. They could be picture frames with somebody's picture in it. Right. And you won't see them till. Well, the, the part uh, that I'm thinking about in particular here is that flashback. He's having the brain surgery and he's just kind of out of it. So he's having this flashback and it's the first time that you ever see Jill Tuck, his mm-hmm. wife. Um, and played by Betsy Russell. And uh, in that flashback, I, I even took a picture of it and I think I showed it to you. I can't remember if I showed you or not. But in that flashback, it's like this really serene park that they're walking through and they're just talking about how much they love each other and he's taking like uh, footage of her with a with a, a handheld camera and for just about five seconds to the right hand side of the frame you see Abby from the second movie mm-hmm. walking down the sidewalk and you don't even realize that it's him until like the last two frames of the shot yep. when he finally comes into focus a little bit and that's it that's the only place that, that he's in that way. They do so that awesome. with the prostitute from the second movie as uh-huh. well. That, she, that one's a little more uh, obvious because she actually has lines. It's obvious, however, though, they didn't need to go back to that character whatsoever. No, they no. just they drop her in, though, so that you know where she came from. Like, right. Every single person um, from those movies have a place. Mm-hmm. Every one of them. Um, even in the second, Even in the second trilogy here, they might not... Not all the characters that are in the traps with th- throughout the three movies might have as much to do with the backstory of Jigsaw, mm-hmm. but they're all connected. They're all there for the same reason. Right. Like you understand why they're there and where they came from. Right. I think that the the characters from the first three movies, though, have the most lasting appeal because you keep seeing them throughout. They keep going mm-hmm. back to them throughout the series. Yeah. Um, they're more important, maybe, because they're more close to the Jigsaw story they and still, why they he still is do it with un- They still do it with, like, more, un- uh, like, less important characters, too, though. Mm-hmm. Like, um, in the, the mausoleum trap. Yeah. Where it's uh, Art, the lawyer, mm-hmm. with his mouth sewn shut. And then there's the big dude in the same room as him with his eyes sewn shut. They show you that big dude later in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's at the methadone clinic that Jill works at. And he's just he's just one of the people walking out the door. Yep. That's it. It's funny. When, when they went back to the methadone clinic, when they're showing it, when there's a little fight that breaks out, it's their, their meth heads, mm-hmm. the little fight that breaks out, I was scanning every single person there waiting, waiting to see like Amanda in the background or something, like just not doing anything, just right. being there. Um, I didn't see her there. However, in Saw 6, you see where she came from mm-hmm. and what was finally written on that letter that we saw in Saw 3 and Saw 4. But the interesting thing is, uh, Jigsaw seems to know everything about everyone. Didn't know that. Didn't know that Amanda was there. Uh, Essentially, there's a... You meet Jigsaw's very first... uh, What does he call him? He doesn't call him his patients. What does he call him? Uh, His... um... Um... I can't. I can't remember yeah, what whatever, he called whatever. it. Basically, the people that he's putting through these these tests, these apprentice, games. Apprentices. No, 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 not no. apprentices. The, the first guy that he puts in the first trap, which is uh, Cecil. Subjects. Subjects. There we go. Cecil. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who. Um, he was one of the meth heads. He's the guy that started the little the little squabble at the uh, methadone clinic, yep. and John confronts him in the methadone clinic. And then later that night, John's just outside in the car waiting for Jill to come out of the clinic. Prostitute from two walks up, talks to him. Prostitute from the second movie comes up. He says, you're a beautiful girl. What are you doing? Get out of here. You're you're in front of a methadone clinic. Like, go home. This is just, all in Saw 4. This is in Saw 4, yes. Saw 4, yeah. And, uh, and, and then 
uh, Jill's about to come out. Cecil walks up and, and says he forgot his coat. And then she goes to open the door. He goes in, presumably steals some drugs. When he's coming back out, he opens the door and slams against her baby belly. Oof. She's eight months pregnant at this point, or seven months pregnant. And the they lose the baby. Yeah. This is kind of what sets John off in his... Not kind of. This is, well, this, this is, this, this is the this event is the, that sets John off. The cataclysmic moment right. that changes him forever. Between this and finding out that he had cancer, and then he tries to kill himself by driving off of a cliff, mm-hmm. but he survives. He's <laughs> got a very interesting life, this guy. Um, <laughs> and so he ends up taking Cecil, who was responsible for the death of his child, Gideon, and putting him in the very first trap that he's ever created, which is this, it's pretty horrifying. <laughs> the, it's the, he has to push his face through eight, eight or ten butcher nice. knives oh. lined up and cr- and like crossing over his face. And he has to push his face through these I butcher knives. I couldn't do it. No. There's no way. There's well, no way I could do it. When he tells him you got to push hard, like yeah. push hard, make sure you push hard or it's not going to. And he goes to push through and they're on these like ungodly strong springs or something. And he pulls back, and the blades slide back out of his face, and then he has to slide back into them yep. with the already open wounds on his face. It's so gnarly. Yeah, yeah, it's, ugh, fuck that. We started this thought for a reason, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, oh, it was, because uh, we were talking about how Jigsaw seems to know everything about yeah. everybody, and he didn't know, we, we find out later in, in the series, I think it's in Saw 6 that we finally find out, that when Cecil went back to rob the methadone clinic, Amanda was, was there with yeah, him. She was actually driving him, I think, or in uh, the car with him. She, she was with. She was like hiding yeah. around the corner or something. Yeah. And uh, and and that's ultimately what ends up being in the letter from Hoffman yeah. to Amanda, which basically says, "I know you were there that night, and I can use this information." And who's to say Jigsaw didn't know? Quite um, frankly, I don't think that he would have taken him under his wing. I, I, he no, sorry. Yeah. He wouldn't have taken her, her under yeah, his no, wing. You're probably, if, right. you're probably right. If he knew that, um, we started this by talking about Jill. We yeah, never, yeah. Sorry, we, we never finished that. <laughs> that was like a that was like a five minute tangent on my part. I'm sorry. We're, our conversations kind of like these movies. You know, they go forward and then backward, forward then backward. This is actually just the way we talk about <laughs> movies on a normal basis. So. Um, yeah. So, so Jill, though, I, I are you a fan of what they did with her character? Um, in what in what way? I mean. I'll start. Okay. <laughs> I I am not. Okay. I wish that they would have kept her character uh, innocent. Oh, you mean where she ends up kind of being involved in the whole thing? Yes. Um, no. I'm not a fan of that. When they get when they get to the part where her and Hoffman are seemingly on the same level, like they they there's something she's not she doesn't play evil very well. No. Like when, when when he comes into her office and, and she says something about the game has begun, I was like, that was just like, that's that's very unbelievable. I don't believe you as he, this person. Like, I, I, do, I agree with you. I wish they, they would have just left her innocent in the whole thing. Yeah. And, and I understand how they tried to set it up. Like, basically, John, John comes to her office. She's completely against what he's doing. He's begging him to stop doing it. And then he goes, but it works. I have proof. They look over. There's Amanda. Mm-hmm. Amanda was, like, one of her most troubled um, patients. And 
And wow, John's methods really worked. Here she is, sober and standing on her own, and this and that. Yeah, he's basically t- trying but to convince her that his think, method of rehabilitation is better than what she's doing. I don't doing. think that that's enough for a rational, medical-minded person to just suddenly flip a switch and go, "Oh, you're right. Let's torture people." Oh yeah, let's murder a bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't feel as though that uh, works as well as I think they intended it to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked, I kind of like her character being the voice of reason like when she when you first meet her she's being interrogated and she's like i don't know this is right. my husband like i i don't know i like that better they could have done something different with her character mm-hmm. um maybe to i don't know i don't know what they could have done but well, not that because essentially she's she's not involved until his death mm-hmm. and then she sends him that or he sends her the box the box yeah. what's she, in the box what's in the box and the um, lawyer actually and <laughs> the lawyer actually said that. What's in the box? Um she's not involved whatsoever until that moment. And is there really is there really something that just flipped the switch in her head that said, Oh yeah, you know what, I should probably continue my now dead husband's work. Yeah. Like, I, did she didn't if she if she would have just said, No, fuck that, I'm not doing this, mm-hmm. it all just would have ended. Because without all the information in that box, like all the envelopes and stuff, Hoffman wouldn't have known what to do. That's true. He that's probably would have just continued just murdering people. Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> at this point, he realized that that's the style and of justice the, he likes. And by the end of the sixth movie, though, he's just killing people to survive. Like, there has nothing to right. do with traps. He's just straight up he's murdering He's killing people. innocent people. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I, I'm, I wasn't a big fan about that. And, but again, I say it doesn't matter because I still love the writing. Like, <laughs> I, I, they can do no wrong in this franchise. Well, like, and and skipping ahead to a couple weeks from now when we do our our third installment, mm-hmm. which will include the final the chapter end of and the, the original, yeah, the final chapter of the original uh, Saw movies, plus the new movie. Mm-hmm. This, like I said, we have to hold ourselves accountable and actually go see the new movie right mm-hmm. when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Um. I, if I remember correctly, I haven't seen the seventh movie in a long time, but I think that Hoffman ends up kind of getting his comeuppance for all of his shady dealings. Well, that's not we're not there yet. We're not there we're yet, not so there I'm not going to say it anymore. But um, by the way, can I just bring up the uh, <laughs> Costas Mandalore? That's the name of the actor who plays Hoffman. Mm-hmm. That's the coolest name I've ever heard in my Costas life. Costas Mandalore. Costas Mandalore. Such Pretty a, awesome. That's a cool name. I wish that was my name. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything that we missed. And Instead, my name sounds it, like something that you said. You say backwards, James Beard. James, <laughs> James Beard. James Beard. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm trying to. I'm just gonna breeze by that. Um, I'm trying to think of anything that we didn't cover, and it dawns on me that we did not talk about the proverbial new kid on a block. Did he have the right stuff? Clearly not. Did he? He he did hang tough throughout he the did, entire he did hang fourth tough. movie, though. If you don't know what we're talking about, in the fourth movie, we see the return of Donnie Wahlberg's character. He is not dead. He's actually in every movie up to this point. Yeah, he was in. Oh, I mean, he wasn't in the first movie. He was in number two. Uh-huh. He was in the beginning of number three. The because, very beginning. Right, and now in number four. But you think he's dead, though. You think he's dead throughout until you see his character. You, you assume that he's dead. I I think I remember not being super surprised because Amanda Amanda leaves him down in those tunnels after she re breaks his ankle terribly. She leaves him down in those tunnels, and I, I didn't just like 
if I learned anything throughout the first three movies, going to see them back to back years, it was like I can't ever just assume anything about these True. movies, That's and fair. I wasn't just going to assume that he died down in the tunnel because he was a he was a fighter. He smashed That's his fair. own he smashed his own foot to smithereens with a toilet tank top so that he could get out of that shackle. So I, I like I never just assumed that he was just going to lay down and die down That's in fair. those tunnels. That's fair. So when um, I did see him, I, it was like, oh, oh, there he is. But I, I never assumed that he was dead. Well, when you see when you see his character again, uh, he's basically tiptoeing on a block of ice uh, with a noose around his neck. Basically, that's how he has to stay alive is just to keep himself from choking. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, he's a new kid on a block. Um, <laughs> I feel as though that... I feel as... <laughs> I never even... <laughs> <laughs> I feel as though that could not have been coincidental. <laughs> I really don't. And he, oh no, you're absolutely. <laughs> that's probably absolutely right. I'm sure they wrote that in as like a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. Um, that's hilarious. I didn't even. I didn't even put that together. That's yeah, yeah. Awesome. That's literally what he is. Um, <laughs> and his death is pretty cool too. Mm. <laughs> he just gets his head smashed by uh, two giant blocks. Basically, what you have is uh, Hoffman is sitting like you. You still don't know that Hoffman's involved. Yeah. Hoffman's sitting on one side. If the block of ice melts too much or if Donnie Wahlberg, like, dies... They're on a seesaw. Yeah, they're on a seesaw. And if Donnie Wahlberg's character dies, then uh, as a result, Hoffman will be electrocuted to death. Yeah. But his death is, like... (laughs) The whole movie, you only see, you know, from the 10-foot mark above him down... Uh-huh. And then once once they finally pan out and like I, th- I think it's Art the the lawyer finally kind of like looks up and he's like oh shit and you're <laughs> there's like these two like two hundred pound blocks of ice on either side of him on these giant swing arms and you realize like these things are gonna swing down and smash his head to bits. Yeah. It's if, pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and it so, finally does and it's sweet. It's it's interesting that you didn't assume that Donnie Wahlberg's character. Uh, what was his name? What was his character's name? Uh, Eric Matthews. Yes, Eric Matthews. It's interesting to me that you didn't think that Matthews was dead because he was technically supposed to be. Why? Um, a little trivia for you. In the beginning of Saw 4, mm-hmm. the the whole Riggs story uh, gets set up. Ba- basically, uh, he goes home. His wife, is, they're at an impasse. His wife's leaving town. She begs him to go with her. And he does not. Uh, so she leaves to go take care of her mother. Uh, and then he's left, and his story basically begins. Uh-huh. Um, Donnie Wahlberg was not available to do the movie originally, and really? so they did not write him into the script. Oh. Originally, it was supposed to be Riggs's wife that was on that block. That's how it was written. That's why she just kind of disappears, and you never hear from her again. I was... She's the only character <clears throat> in the entire story that that happens to that you don't see an ending to. She's just gone. So, do you know? Did he? Did Donnie Wahlberg sign on after his, the movie was yeah. already in production? Because there is yes. a part where Rig comes up on one of the boxes and it's a picture of his wife, and yeah. it, and on the back of the picture it says you should have gone with her or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so up into that point in production, it did still they, works though. That still works. Though. It still works. Yeah, but, but his, it, it still Donnie, works. But at the same time. Jigsaw's entire plan it does it does and it doesn't work because at that point Jigsaw's entire plan was riding on the idea of her going to stay with her mother for a while. Because if she was still in the house, they couldn't have set up they couldn't have set up the elaborate True. thing that True. they did. Maybe in, Jigsaw in called her house. away. Who knows? Yeah. Um point is though, is uh Donnie Wahlberg though, his uh, schedule got freed up. 
and uh, was able to rejoin. Mm -hmm. Clearly, he loved doing these movies, so he yeah. got a hold of them and said he could do it. They rewrote the end of the movie so that it was his character instead of hers. Huh. So. So did they shoot all of? They must have shot all of his scenes toward the end of production. Uh, no, or? I think they no. Well, I think that his schedule cleared up right at the very beginning of production. So mm -hmm. They probably hadn't even gotten to that yet. Is my is my guess. Mm -hmm. And they pretty much just swapped out one character for another. Right changed on. some dialogue. It's not that difficult. They they rewrite movies on set all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that was really interesting though because she is the one character that just gets away yeah. and that you never hear from again, and that's uh -huh. the reason why. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Did you uh, did you have any favorite? traps in in this uh second three movies ah uh, favorite trap um do you have one you give me a, a second to think here <clears throat> um i really liked the i really liked the trap with the 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 mother and father of the little girl like it, it was it was implied not it was strongly implied or almost obvious not almost obvious. It was obvious. <laughs> the little girl was being like hit by her father. Yes. And Rig was uh, the cop that was at the school talking to the parents and talking to the other police and blah, blah, blah. And then he ends up punching the dad in the face and breaking his nose. Later, uh, the mother of that little girl and the father are in a classroom. This is in Saw 4. This is in Saw yeah. 4, yeah. It's trying to keep people on, on page here. <laughs> I, I, I liked this trap because it was brutal. And it was also very like, it, nearly nearly impossible. And it was I'll, very smart though. It was nearly impossible. I'll explain why in a second. But uh, it was it was brutal and and it was smart within the confines of the story where you have to like suspend disbelief. But basically, uh, they took they took this harpoon gun kind of thing, and they shot these double pointed spikes through. So they shot him through the wife in areas where it wouldn't really affect her mm -hmm. if they came out. But she was strapped back to back with her husband. And the arrows went through her in the spots that wouldn't affect her and into major arteries in his body. Yeah. Like it angled to where, yeah. And then it and then it basically said, like, uh, the, the man that you're strapped to is... Uh, beaten and bruised you and your daughter and caused you so much pain and blah 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 and now you have a chance to get away from him for good but you'll have to endure this and at the same time kill him mm -hmm. and she basically had to make the decision to pull these spikes out of her body and knowing that for everyone that she pulled out of her body where it was basically just a, a flesh wound it would be pulling out of pulling out of his ma yeah. major arteries so he would bleed out well yep. and i thought that was it was just gnarly and it was yeah. it was a really good trap but the harpoon gun that they used there would be no possible way to line it up in a perfect no, way no. where you could shoot it through her body and into the major arteries of no, his body no. that doesn't make any sense it's but, suspension disbelief right get, getting <laughs> throwing logic out i thought that was a really cool i trap. think uh for me my my favorite one of those of this trilogy was uh, in saw six it was the steam maze it was very simple but it was very much a you need to give part of yourself to save somebody else right it was, it was very old school jigsaw mm -hmm. because both of them could escape uh, except for the very end when she goes crazy and that doesn't end well for her <laughs> There's a in order for her to get out, she has to go through these um, this maze and there's steam vents. And the mm -hmm. only, only way for her to get through is for him to turn them off from the top. But what that does, it redirects the steam from the bottom to the top where he's standing. So mm -hmm. he basically has to stand in the steam while she goes through, and they're both going to get burned. And right. it's, it's it's very sacrificial. Um, 
at the very end, in order to get out of her <coughs> restraints, though, she needs a key that is inside of uh, the. It's like cutting. It's like they cut the insurance his, guy. Yeah, they cut his, uh, William. William. Like they cut his side open and put a key inside yeah. of him. And they and they give her basically a circular saw in order to get it out. Just use the circular saw to cut the stitches. That's all you had to do. Like, like, that's it. Like, hey, stand really still. I'm just going to nick the stitches so we can open your wound. Well, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even really need to turn the saw on. If you just take one of the teeth of the blade, uh, you could just pull it a, a, along the stitches. Sure. My problem with that trap is, uh, realistically, Jigsaw should have given her way more than 90 seconds. Yeah. Because that whole scene takes about six minutes to play out, and... By the time yeah. she gets to the end of the maze, she still has like forty seconds left. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. no. That, why didn't you just say like three minutes? Like, <laughs> that's that that throughout the entire series, though. That that one's probably the biggest defender. Yeah. Uh, my second thing about that is, she, so basically, if she didn't get to if she didn't get to the end of the maze and get the key out of William in time, she had this thing strapped to her chest and to her back that it had these metal spikes that were pointed upward. Yeah. That when it went off, it would. Oh, it was shoot. in the back too. I think it was in the back too. Okay. But it would shoot up and it would pierce her brain. She would die. Couldn't you just go like this? Yeah, just turn your head just, to the side. Like if you just cranked your neck all the way over to the yeah. side, I'm pretty sure those things would have. Yeah. Whatever. Again, suspension <laughs> display. I like that trap though because it was very old school saw. Yeah. For all the new ones, it was very old school. Yeah, it was cool. Um. Okay. So let's. Um, it was an intense scene too. So let's let's uh, start to die, die down here. All right. Um. All right. So third trilogy or second trilogy. Better or worse than the first? Um, I'm gonna go with I, I. I like the first three movies better. I I agree. Yeah, I completely agree. I like a lot of aspects of this trilogy better. Like I said, yeah. the ending of four is the best twist. Yeah, and I think there's some really inventive stuff throughout it. I still love them. I still think the three first three though were a little bit superior to the second three. Definitely. Um, um I I feel like I feel like there's elements of all six movies that you need. For the entire story, oh, absolutely. So I'm, I'm not. There's, not a, there's a lot of revelations in, yeah. in the second trilogy that right. you, that, that you need. Like it, they're but very important movies. Just, that's... just as far as like basic elements, like cinematography, acting, mm -hmm. um, uh, the tone and the mood of the movies. I like the first three better. Yeah, I agree. But uh, yeah. All right. Well, that is Saw four, five, and six. Yeah, baby. Uh, next week we <clears throat> or in two weeks rather. Next week will be our Halloween episode. Yep. So more info on that. Well, next week. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> more and then on the that week when after, we record though, it. The week after, though, we are like James had mentioned, we're gonna do uh, Saw three D, which is the final installment of the original series. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we're gonna go see Jigsaw, and we'll talk about the kickoff to I'm assuming potentially a new series. Yep. Uh, we'll see how that uh, we'll see how that plays out. All right. Uh, so a little housekeeping before uh, we get to the end of the program here. Uh, we mentioned last week that uh, we're trying to set up a screening for the tenth anniversary of. Behind, behind the mask, the mask yeah. um we were unable to lock down a date yet we're still waiting on a little bit more um scheduling conflicts to be should, resolved should have it within a couple days yeah so um so we'll probably do a separate social media post maybe a video post or something like that uh, when we get that date locked in and booked uh so just stay tuned that is coming we're, we're, we're trying yep um and then secondly we mentioned at the beginning of the show that uh we have some music to play today yeah uh from a band called bat shit crazy great name Awesome name. <laughs> um, uh, Bad Shit Crazy was started by this guy uh, who got a hold of us. His name's Chuck Dietrich. Um, he's actually he's taking a break from a band that he used to be in called uh, Bullet Treatment, which <laughs> after we looked up Bullet Treatment, a pretty crazy band. They, it was featuring members from the Bronx, 
uh, Rise Against, Social Distortion, a ton more. From and the, then uh, as far as what I gathered, Chuck was like the main... That's what I was going to say. He was like the main... I, uh, he was. It was basically a one-man band. And he had kind of a rotating cast of yeah. people that that played with him. Is, is what I'm gathering. Right. That's pretty fucking impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he took a break from that band because he wanted to focus on this, which is uh, his passion project. It kind of rolls his love of music and horror movies into mm-hmm. one. Uh, the God, band. Don't we all? Don't we all wish we could do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the band ended up being a, a pop punk hardcore horror rock and roll band. I got that a little bit wrong earlier. Hence the name Batshit Crazy. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's really good. Yeah, we like, like it a lot. It's <laughs> really good. Uh, it's right up our alley. Like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a punk rock kid. I grew up with pop punk and punk rock and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I know you did as well. You know, when I first heard these guys, before I knew anything about his history or anything like that, I listened to the song Cold. And um, I, I, the first thing that I said is it reminds me a lot of, like, Rise Against. It's old the first, Rise Against, it, Old yeah. Rise Against, the first thing that I said. So to know that he's worked with those guys, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, you can definitely see his influences and definitely see what he's all about musically. Definitely. Uh, so we're going to play a track called They Live, We Sleep, which uh, obviously is a tribute to the classic John Carpenter movie, They Live, uh. featuring the incomparable Rowdy Roddy Piper. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, if you want to find Batshit Crazy on Instagram, go to batshit underscore crazy underscore band. And uh, they also have a link to their YouTube page on in their uh, profile in, in there. In their profile, yeah. yeah. So, you can go there. They have uh, videos. There's a video for the, ba- uh, the song we're about to play, and there's two other videos for the other two songs on the EP. And if you want the EP, uh, you can actually find it at basementrec.bandcamp.com. Right you can go there, and I'm sure you can buy it and uh, throw them a couple bucks or whatever they're selling it for. Yeah. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, no, it's it, it's fantastic. Uh, highly recommend it. Yep, absolutely. Um, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Instagram, SoundCloud, Facebook, and Horror Amino at the Buzzkill Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at the Buzzkill PC, and you can also find us on iTunes. Give us a rating, give us a comment. Uh, five stars. Five stars would be great. Make us famous. Yeah. Give us seven stars <laughs> if you want to. If nope. you want to find Jay Raj, you can find me on all social media at Ocean Recording or www.oceanrecordingstudio.com. A little bit of time left on our October special. Two songs for $666. The devil and stuff. <laughs> Scary Halloween. <laughs> Buy stuff. Do oh, it. Cool. Let's make awesome music together for real. All right. Speaking of awesome music, this is They Live, We Sleep by Batshit Crazy. Cheers, boys. <laughs> Concern. Will they ever learn? It's pathetic, I understand 